Welcome back to your next stop. I am Juliet Hahn. In this episode, I speak with Jason Gordon. He is the founder of Rise to the Top VT Basketball Empire in Vermont. It is a really great story. You guys are not going to want to miss this. We talk about him growing up in the Bronx with a single mom uh, from Jamaica and some of the not great times in the Bronx. What led him to go to military high school then university, then into the military, and the journey as he was in the military, how he founded Rise to the Top Vermont um, is a really awesome story. You guys do not want to miss this. This is so inspiring. You can follow Jason at Rise to the Top underscore VT on Instagram, and that is Rise, R-I-S-E, the number two the top underscore Vermont. You can also find him on Facebook, Rise to the Top VT, but that is 2TO. You can also go to his website, Rise to the Top VT.com, and that is Rise with the number two. On, uh, on also Instagram, you can go to coach underscore Gordon 11, and um, you can find out all what Jason is doing and follow him because he is not only creating this dynasty in Vermont, but he is also going back to his roots in the Bronx to um, continue to grow the basketball world there. It's really awesome. I met him actually at a basketball camp uh, for my middle son. I met he and his wife and his daughter and um, connected immediately. Love his story. You guys do not want to miss this. Don't forget to follow me at I am Juliet Hahn on most socials. My website, I am JulietHahn.com, LinkedIn, Juliet Hahn. And um, we will see you guys. We'll see you soon. You're going to love this. Have you ever been listening to your favorite podcast and that moment comes up and you think, oh my gosh, I need to share it? Well, now you can with Picked Cherries. What I love about Picked Cherries so much is that when I'm listening to my favorite podcast and that moment comes up that I want to share, I can take a snippet, which is called a Picked Cherry, and I can send that to my friends and family so they can get involved in the podcast that I love. It's almost like sending an IG or a TikTok Available now, iOS and Android. If you're not picking cherries, are you really listening to podcasts? Hello, welcome back to your next stop. This is Juliet Hahn. I say it every episode and I'm going to say it again. I'm really excited about my guest, Jason Gordon. How are you? I'm great. Great. Super excited. I'm. This is like, you know, I mean, you guys always laugh at me because every time I have a uh, guest on, they say, I say that every time, but I'm really, truly excited to share your story. But I also love that we met in a basketball gym. And um, I just had a live show with someone that is a social media, they basically are a social media expert, but they had a basketball background. And like, literally when he said that, it was probably towards the end of the episode. I just felt even more connected. Everyone that listens knows that my middle son uh, is a loves basketball and um, it's one of my f- absolute favorite sports. So and he's a good ball player too. So it doesn't hurt. Right. Right. <laughs> it does, it does, <laughs> doesn't hurt. It definitely doesn't hurt. But so Jason, when we met, we were um, in long Island, you guys had just driven. I mean, I think I felt like it was almost like an overnight. You were coming from Vermont where you live and, uh, and we, I, I met your wife and I just sat down cause it was like a new kind of, camp that he was doing. It was a one-day camp. It was actually, I have to say, there was a lot of older, very tall kids. And I I remember just being like, I'm going to ask this mom if she's been here before. And that's kind of how we started talking. And then 
she introduced me to you. We started talking and then I, I, I think I paused you and I was like, Oh, I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> I have to have you on my podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, th- it was, you know, you know, when you meet people, certain energy and certain vibes, like it just automatically clicks. That's kind of how I felt where I was like, Oh, I got to go do this thing, but I'm going to be right back. <laughs> and it, I, I didn't want the conversation to end. No, I, I totally agree. So we're going to start a little bit, just if you can, um, I'm going to let people know where they can find you. So on Instagram, coach Gordon, but it's coach underscore underscore Gordon 11. And then also, and you guys are going to be like, wait, I want to know more, but you're going to find out more, but just so you can kind of check out um, Jason's socials. Rise and then two, the number two, the top underscore VT, and then the website rise to again, the number top VT.com. Um, and I will have this all in the show notes. So if you guys are driving, please don't stop or please don't, <laughs> you know, try to write this down. We will have you where you can find this. But so Jason, if you can just kind of give a little background where you grew up, because that's the other thing that we kind of connected on where you grew up and then, you know, where you went to, if you went to university and then kind of where you created what you're doing, but just a little in the beginning, and then we'll get into the meat of the the story. Yeah. So uh, once again, Juliet, thanks for having me. And I mean, for me, it's always been like a pleasure of just sharing this story with people just because of like where I'm coming from. It's not necessarily the the best place, but it can happen for people. Um, Born and raised in the Bronx, (laughs) Bronx, New York kid. Um, Jamaican parents, um, what really stems is like, I'm like many other kids growing up in that type of environment, poor background, you know, single mother working three jobs, trying to make ends meet, uh, trying to raise uh, a boy into a man in, in the middle of, uh, not so friendly, uh, circumstances, you know, we've lived in public housing with, you know, from cockroaches crawling up the wall, you turn the lights on and they scatter to, you know, being able to take different routes home just because of, you know, the bad stuff that happened. But that all intertwined, people would say, oh my goodness, that's terrible. And I tell people like, it's terrible, but it's made me who I am. And it's allowed me to see things from a different like view. Uh, after growing up in New York City and in the Bronx, my mom moved to Manhattan. And at that point in time, I really wanted to get out of the city. I uh, wanted to go someplace where, you know, basically where they had a lot of trees versus billboards. Right. So right. Um, I got the opportunity to get recruited and go to uh, New York Military Academy, which is a military school, like 45 minutes outside of the city. And it was awesome. Like it was like, I didn't know I was a leader until I got there. I, I was a little bit of a, a rough houser as a, uh, before I got there. So, you know, listening and not following directions uh, was right up my alley. Um, but going there definitely showed me how I can take my capabilities of, you know, talking to people and people wanting to talk to me uh, to a whole different level of getting them to do something that they probably didn't want to do in the first place. Right. Like, so at these military high schools, people think adults are the one running it. It's really not, it's the kids. So you're, you're having to convince your peers into doing something like, Hey, five 30, wake up <laughs> and iron your uniform and do all these things and go outside and stand for the raising of the flag. 
not a lot of kids that were being sent there wanted to do that. I love that you said that's where you learned your leadership. And I would assume, just like in any kind of circumstances, some people rise to the top, some people follow, some people fail. Um, What do you think gave you that rise to the top? Do you think it had to do with watching your mom, you know, really push and, and work hard? Or do you think it was something that you were born with? So for me, I don't think leadership is it like leaders aren't born. Like there's some like traits that you may have uh, instinctively, but I think it's through hard work, dedication, resiliency, like all of these things that are molded, right? Like, when people want to get better at a sport, it's the amount of reps that they get in, right? Like you doing this podcast, how many reps have you gotten into? And we talked about this, right? But the more reps you get, the easier it becomes. So I think that's the same thing with leadership, where if I get a thousand or a hundred thousand reps trying to help lead people, then I'm, it's just going to seem like I'm a better leader, right? Like Colin Powell, one of my idols, he, I would read all of his books and just because he had the same background. And it's not to say like when people say, oh, well, when you come from a certain area, people who look like me, I tell people this because like Colin Powell was exactly from, he was from the Bronx, South Bronx, Jamaican parents, you know, went as high as he can go in the military, in the army, and then worked for the state department and did all of these things and just had such an impact on people. And I think that's because of where he grew up, right? Right. Like he Mm -hmm. never, and he, and I got to meet him like at my college, nonetheless at Norwich university. And the first story he told was about how he treated people. Right. The people like in the State Department, you park your car underneath the, you know, this tunnel and they basically, you know, most of them are immigrants that are parking your car. And he always was fascinated with how they like, like they put certain people's car in certain areas closer than the other. Right. So some people's cars are way in the back and some are right up front. And he was like, he, he was fascinated by like how they knew where to put people's cars. And he's like, and he asked one of the attendants, Like, how do you choose who goes where he's like, if people wind their window down and they smile and they're nice to us, we park their car close. And it was like, like, like just a simple action of kindness, you know, like that's, that's how some people do business, right? Like if Mm -hmm. you're really kind and all you care about is helping others, sometimes that's, uh, you know, that's the stemming. So I think for me, the whole rising to the top like syndrome is not like to the top of, you know, monetary means is rising to the top of whatever you're great at. Right. Like if you're good, go be great. Right. Like don't stop at just being good. Like go big or go home. Like don't, don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about who's, who's doing what, like you have one life, one skin, (laughs) one everything and go big, like don't. And that's what I, that's how I feel about rising to the top. Right. No, I love that. And I think that was such a great analogy because people can really also think about it and see it in front of them. And I, I, I a hundred percent agree with that. I think that everyone's circumstances can mold them, but it's also the people that take those circumstances and do something with them because not, you know, a lot of people will get certain circumstances and, you hear stories, you know, people that came 
from nothing, but just had that tenacity because they were put in the right place in the, you know, the right time, but then also the ones that made their own path. And so that always kind of fascinates me, um, just how the human brain and what your, everyone's path is. People know on this podcast, I talk about, I really truly believe we all have a path. And we talked about this at the gym, uh, whether you believe in God or the universe and not all of us find it. But when we do find that path and the doors just start opening, it's really cool to see what happens. So I know that that's kind of where we started really um, also connecting because it was um, my dad was in the military. He was in Vietnam and then, and then the basketball. And then you were saying things like you're saying. And I mean, we literally and people I know right now are laughing because they're like, oh, I'm you know, I was so excited. I was so excited. And it was so sweet because your wife and your daughter were sitting there, you know, also listening with just, you know, smiles on their face because it is something to see when people are in their passion, when they're in the right spot, the excitement and and how they can inspire others. So then take us through. So then you were in the mil- this military academy, then you went to university and, and give us a little bit more there. Yeah. So I went to a military college. Um, my mom really didn't want me to go to a, a, a larger university. She, and you know, kids who are, are raised by their mothers, uh, you know, especially single, uh, black mothers, uh, you, you don't say no to mom. Like it's, <laughs> it, it was one of those things. And, and really to tell you the truth, I think she knew ahead of time, Right. Like I wanted to go to UMass Amherst, play basketball or, you know, Cynadel, like all these big cities. And she's like, no, you're you're not going to graduate from there because you're too much of a people person. You're too much of a partier. Right. We've got to we got to find a space that is boring. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like there's so I I don't want to say it's boring, but uh, I mean, anyone who knows of Norwich University in the middle of Northfield, Vermont. It's surrounded by we're in the middle of this valley. And when I say I've never felt cold the way I felt cold there, I mean, the wind would just rip through there in in these wool military uniforms. And it's the oldest military college in the nation. So I, <laughs> most people say, how did you even end up in Vermont? Like why from of all places? And I always attribute that to my mom. Right. Like we went down into the town and there was there was maybe one pizza restaurant at the time. Right. right? And a gas station. That was literally it. That was the the whatever, a mile and a half down the road from the university. Nothing to do. Like you literally I was looking around and people were waving at us and being from New York City, you're like they're driving and waving and you're like, <laughs> what what's going on here? So. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, for me, that was the best place that I could have ended up because of like everything that I was learning in high school, it just doubled down in college where now, you know, all of us are like be trying to become professionals in our own, I call it the little Pentagon, right? So you have every single branch of service that's attending this academy, right? So, and then on top of it, the NSA and all of these other kids are on scholarship for like cyber and all these things. So, and then you have civilians, which is where I met my wife, right? And they're just civilians. So they're just like doing whatever it is that they're doing. So I call it literally the, 
the mini Pentagon of, of, of Vermont in a right. sense in the, in the middle of nowhere. I love it. So I do have to ask, so why the military? I know, you know, and also like the military high school, was it to get out of the city and then it just led to other things and you found, you know, a path for yourself or was there something more behind that? Yeah, no. Um, it, it really was to just get out of the city. I, I just felt that there was a lot of things that were negative, right? Like taking the subway and, 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 and just trying to get away from the environment that I, that I was in. Right. Yeah, that and makes I, sense. and I, and I noticed, you know, I had friends who were super, who are super smart. Right. And they, they made the wrong choice, right? 30 seconds of a wrong choice, going the wrong place at the wrong time. And they ended up serving, you know, 25 to life in right. prison. And, and that, that like ultimately like scared me right. where it was like, wow, like you, you're trying to make quick cash or quick money. And I think it was the fear plus the opportunity. Plus we lived in this like one bedroom apartment, right? Like, so it's not like I ever had my own room. So right. It drove like boarding school was calling my name. It's like, oh, all right. I, I get to have some space, right? Like I get my own room. It's like college. So I think that ultimately drew me even more. And and I, I wanted my mom's stress level to go down, right? Like, so every time I left the house, she would, you know, like right. any other mother when their child leaves the house, but a little bit more when you're in that like environment. Right. So- Understandable. I mean, because I know you have a teenager as well, and it is, um, there is, you know, different levels of the stress, but uh, just the the top line stress of your child going out, not knowing where they are, not knowing what they're doing, you know, you know who they're hanging out with, but are they making the right choices? And then you just have on top of it that you're in the city and maybe not the best areas. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine. So that, that makes 100% complete sense. So then you found some passion in that. And that's where led you. And I love that you said that Norwich. Um, I, again, I, cause we, we talked about, I played two sports in college as well. And going to the big, big school is really what, what I was thinking I wanted. And I remembered my mom just being like, let's just get you through this. <laughs> <laughs> let's just let, and my mom, she was like, you know, love her to death, but she, she didn't really like me playing sports. Like my mom, actually, she's only seen me play once in her wow. entire life. So, and I mean, I thought I was pretty good at right. sports at the time. Um, but she was all about education, right? right? Like it was education's what's going to get you out of here. You know, you know, talking about generational wealth, like, like things that are now popular to talk about. She wanted nothing to do with sports. Like it, it was, and it was crazy. It's crazy now because all she does is watch sports. And I'm like, mom, like you, you never came to my games. And she was just like, well, you know, these recruiters kept calling. I mean, she hung up the phone on recruiters. Right. I mean, it was, it was, if they called on a Sunday, like she was just like, why are you calling my house? Like it was, right. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> no, no, I, I, but, but ultimately everything happens for a reason, right? right. Like, and, and, and I wouldn't change that for the world because she knew early on. And I think for me, it helped me get to where I am today as well. So. Right. No, I, I think it's great. I, I love that. And I love, um, you know, a mother's love is, is 
a big thing and your mom sacrificed a lot for you. And so she expected, I'm sure, you know, something not in return, but like, this is what I want for you, you know? And so I, so I love that. So you went to Norwich. Um, and then what happens from, from there? Yeah. So while I was at Norwich, I basically, you know, it, it was an expensive private school, right? Um, so it wasn't one of those, uh, it wasn't one of the uh, cheaper schools. Uh, it's probably one of the more expensive schools on the East coast that we paid someone to yell at us. Uh, and every, that's what everyone <laughs> kind of imitates it as, but it would great school as far as leadership is concerned and, and building great people. I basically joined the uh, army national guard here while I was here. Cause then it would give me, you know, a stipend money while I was in school. Once again, taking the pressure off of my mom, you know, trying to figure out like, Oh, okay, well you need these, you know, items and books and so forth. And, and from there I, I enlisted and in my senior year, I got basically, um, uh, deployed, um, got deployed overseas. Um, <laughs> that was uh, not a fun conversation to have with my mother because oh, she sure. was, uh, she was not happy with me. She wanted me to finish college first before joining. Um, and I decided otherwise, and I was like, oh, nothing will happen, mom. You know, I'm, I'm good. And we got deployed to uh, Kuwait and Iraq. And, and it was at that moment, I had turned 21 in the summer. And being 21 years of age and being sent to this foreign land in the middle of the desert where things are just different. Um, yeah, it it really helped me grow right. uh, substantially. Like it, yeah. <laughs> and now what did, and you had already met Courtney. So were you guys? Yeah. Yeah. So Courtney, we were planning on, well, I was planning on proposing uh, probably middle of my senior year and got the random phone call that you've been involuntarily mobilized. And it went from middle of the year to a shotgun two weeks later, getting married in the, in the basement of, um, uh, Reverend Wicks. And then we had a, a, an official wedding, but for paperwork purposes. And it was funny because we, we are, we, we've been trying to figure out like when our anniversary really is <laughs> right. Cause <laughs> we got married beforehand and then, and then had a wedding ceremony for, for the family uh, prior to, but, but yeah, the first year of marriage was spent uh, while I was in Iraq and she was here. So that was, and being 21, 22 years of age, right around. Right. Um, yeah. And she's been, with me ever since. I don't know how, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, I mean, the little that I got to know her, she is definitely a special soul. You can, you can just feel that. Um, so, I mean, right. So you're young, you're newly married and you're in a foreign country. I mean, that's a lot mm -hmm. to absorb as a, as a young, you know, especially a young mind. Um, don't they say a male brain doesn't fully develop until. Until they're 20, yeah, 25 or something like that. Right. So, I mean, that had to been, you know, a culture shock. I mean, that really just had to been some some stuff that you. I mean, take us, yeah. you know, take us a little through that. I mean, for me, I think the biggest part of it was we thought we had problems, right? Like when you go to a foreign country, 
and you see how people are living in these huts that you can literally put a fist through, um, no running water, you start to really look at life completely differently, right? Like you want to maximize the time that you have, like, and nothing's promised. And I think for me that that's what really being in a war torn environment and being around my brothers at that time. Cause it's not like we, it's not like I was doing like an admin job. I was an infantry guy. Right. So at, at the end of the day, you know, 140 degree weather, you know, I get a phone call or get to make a phone call to my wife and, and you don't want to talk about the things that you had to go through. Right. right. And especially if, if, and when you, you lose someone. Right. And, and I think that was the biggest, sh- like, I think the biggest culture shock of it all was when we lost someone, like when, when we, someone that we knew and I went to college with them. So knowing someone and then pretty much knowing that they're no longer there or coming back, you're just like, wow, if they got to that individual, like what, what about me? <laughs> right. right. Like what, how, how am I going to get through all of this? Like, right. And also, I mean, I have to say, you know, I've lost some very close people to me, but I was able to be in a safe environment, be able to mourn them, be able to then celebrate them in, in most circumstances when you're in the situation you were in, I'm, and I'm just kind of speculating. It's not like that you can have that grieving time. You kind of have to put that your hat back on and be like, okay, we need to, you know, we have a job here. I have to focus on that. So was that something that you kind of had to put your, and especially now, I mean, again, you're a young kid. Okay. I'm mourning this, the death of this, this is, you know, really messed up, but I have to now put my other brain on to continue and and do my job. I mean, for me, environmentally, the loss was, was a big deal, but I think ultimately my environment that I grew up in, in the Bronx, it, it prepared me, right? Like, I I hate saying it, but where, where I grew up, like good things didn't always happen. Like you went to school one day and then a classmate didn't show up. And then, you know, you're doing a candlelight visual for whatever reason. Right. And, you know, and it's, I don't want to say you become numb to it, but you learn, I don't know how to put it. Like it, it, it became like, like boys don't cry. Right. Like don't, don't shed a tear, you know, like you need to be tough. You you know, all the things that now (laughs) being older, you're just like, man, (laughs) sometimes you got to let it out. Right. Like don't, don't hold it in. Like don't try to be this, this tougher version of yourself. And, but at the time, you know, while all this is going on, you're correct. Like you, you had to put it someplace else, right? Like you, I would say I became angry, like more and more like a short fuse, especially coming home. Like I had so much of a short fuse. Like I didn't want to deal with people, you know, didn't want to go to malls. Don't want to, didn't want to go to like crowded areas. Um, just didn't want to be around people. And I would say, you know, for a lot of veterans, um, that's that dark place, right? Like the dark place that people and being young, right? Now I'm back home after a deployment expecting our first child, 
right? Trying to finish up college so that my mom doesn't kill me right. because, <laughs> right? Because so you promised I, her, right? Yeah, I promised her. And and working two, three different jobs, whether it's at a pizza joint, at a restaurant, you know, tr- just trying to make ends meet and trying to figure out what's next. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I don't want to, you know, minimize the time overseas, but it was something that taught me how to just cherish the moment and cherish your life. Like ultimately, like we have no clue on when the end is, is coming. Right. Right, right. So tomorrow is never promised. And that's, that's the way I live life. Like currently, like that's the way I've built a business. Like that's, I don't worry about what everybody else is doing. I actually could care less about other people's opinion. And I'm serious. Like there's only like a, a core group of people that really can influence me from not doing something. And if that core is all on board and they're about it, I'm, I'm going full throttle. Like, and I become obsessive about it. Right. So, no, I love that. I love that. So were you ever deployed again or was that, because I know when we spoke, I feel like that you were still, you had just kind of exited the military. I don't think that's the correct term, but. (laughs) Yeah. So I had, I had left for, it was like a, you can take like a leave of absence. So I went to the police academy down in Austin, Texas, of course. Right. Right. Like graduating college and then took the highest paying job. Uh, It was between like secret service, APD, NYPD. Like I was just trying to figure out, I was like, all right, we're going to Texas. And (laughs) we packed up, uh, literally had, maybe 200 bucks to our name rented some like Penske truck and (laughs) like, like tried to drive through to Texas for like two days, got there in two days because we didn't have enough money for the hotel to stay in a hotel. And it was just, I mean, you know, of course, Alex at that time was probably two years old. All right. Like, we barely had furniture. Like we had a blow up mattress in the living room. Right. Um, and that's what we sat on, right? Like it was, it was, man, <laughs> I'm thinking about that right now. And I'm like, wow, that's, it was, it was like, we, we just decided to, um, you know, just continue to grind and continue to figure things out as a young couple married, um, with a new baby, and nothing. Yeah. With a new baby. Right. And so, you know, I, I was going through the Academy. If most people don't know the Academy at Austin is like eight or nine months long. It's one of the longer police academies, but they paid more. <laughs> so I, I was driven by money. Right. And, and I think Austin really showed me like, don't go after something with a monetary gain, right? Like when people are deciding on a job, the last thing you should decide on is the money part of it because oh, <laughs> things, it, it, we, we had never lived South, right? So we were from either New England or New York city or, you know, the Northeast. So going to Texas, I would say was a huge wake up call, right? There are things that I had been called that I had never been called before. And I was just like, wow, okay, this is another part uh, uh, of the world. And I'm not saying that all 
you know, I'm not generalizing it, but in my experience being there, my wife, she experienced some things, you know, they were asking, Oh, what adoption agency did you get your child from? <laughs> like it was, it was some crazy just conversations with people right. that I'm just like, okay. like. Um, and this is what, so probably the 12, oh, 2000, like so 12 years it, ago, right? Like, Oh, more than that okay. easily. Yeah. 2007, 2008 ish okay. timeframe. Yeah. So yeah, Austin hadn't really gotten their boom right. yet. They were getting there. Right? right. Like, and it was like, keep Austin weird. It reminded me so much of like Burlington in a, in a sense. So, um, but yeah, I, uh, my wife <laughs> did not enjoy Texas to say the least. Um, and then we had family, uh, medical issues up here in the Northeast. So, trying to to get away with the hectic schedule she's flying back and forth to to help family and do certain things um we decided that it was best for us to move back north to to the northeast and and we decided to move in vermont again um so you missed well, you missed the cold I did not miss the cold. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at the snow this morning in Michigan and I'm like, Oh, we're about three days away. So right. yeah, we'll, we'll have that here pretty soon. So yeah, no, we, we moved to Vermont because it was in the middle of both grandparents, right? Maine and then New York city. Right. So it was in between. Um, and yeah, I came back and, joined back up into the military after that law enforcement experience. But that law enforcement experience really taught me that there are so many kids that, that need our help, just guidance. And, and by them, I was one of two other individuals in my academy class that happened to be African-American, right? So out of a class of a hundred individuals, there were only two of us. Right. Wow in the middle of like in the middle of Texas. And I was just like, wow, but like 80 or 90% of us were all military oh. prior military. So that was like, it was like never seen before. Uh, they right. were like, man, like 90% of you guys are all military. And all of us were just coming back from war for like, so That's talk so about dynamics. Oh, <laughs> talk about the dynamic shift and us trying to figure out who we are afterwards was was definitely a challenge. Now, are you still connected with any of those guys in that group? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. And it's it's pretty funny because um, now they're like detectives and you know counter drug guys and and we were all just so green behind mm-hmm. the ears, right? Like we were in our twenties, right? Like we didn't know anything, and we're going out trying to police and. I, yeah, it, it definitely, I would say was a, was an eye opening experience because I, I look at the Bronx where I grew up and I go, man, that was rough. But in every state there's a Bronx, right? Right. Like there's, there are kids right now that have all the potential to be great, but they just don't have the means or mm-hmm. they may not have the, the mentorship or the guidance or someone telling them, Hey, you know, not just telling you, Hey, don't do that because of this. You could actually be a fortune 500 company runner someday. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Like you, you, yes, you can also be a street pharmacist, right? And you can probably be good at it, but you can also run this company. And, and, and I think, yeah, that's one of the biggest things that I noticed growing up was we had some kids that were so gifted, whether it be athletically or academically, but being smart wasn't cool back then. Right. Like it wasn't right. That right. didn't it's, yeah, it's, get you no. any of the ladies or any of the gear or whatever it is. And yeah. And people made decisions, lifelong decisions based upon how cool they can become. Right. Which is, I mean, I, and I still, you still see it in some sense, you know, I know even with my kids, they'll be like, say things and I'm like, wait, what? Like that, that doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't really matter. Like high school is such a blip in, in our, in our, in our life, if we really think about it, but it is such a shaping time. It's so crazy to think that it's such a short time, middle school and high school, but it does, you know, it really does formulate sometimes who you are and then the things that you hold on to. So many people that I've interviewed, you know, whether they've had good experiences in high school or bad experiences, or even when I lived in New York City, I remember I had, um, I was, I, I looked, I was going to basically, uh, apply for an apartment. It was an apartment down in, in the West Village and there was, three roommates and they were looking for a fourth. And I remember going and um, the guys being excited <laughs> that I was going to be a roommate. And the one girl was like, Oh, you were that girl. And I was like, what girl, what, what girl was I? She's like, you played sports. And I was like, I did play sports. She's like, yeah, you, your, your type was really mean to me. And I was like, this is so weird. I was like, I, okay, I was never mean. She's like, well, I was in drama. And I was like, okay, I grew up in a town that we, weren't. I had friends that were in drama. Like I just, and it was a very nice town in New Jersey and I didn't have the same drama. I think other classes did, or I just didn't involve myself in drama. I still am the same way as an adult woman. If there's drama and I'm like, I don't have time for drama. I just do my own thing. Like if you guys want to be dramatic, that's, you know, that's fine. But I remember like her being like, she was like really upset. And I, I was like, okay, well, well I, I didn't grow up with you and I'm so sorry. I will change your mind, you know, but it was, it's such a short period of time. And the fact that she went back to that moment and I made her uncomfortable because I played sports and it brought her back to a bad time in her life. And she was super successful woman. Like that was the other thing I was like, so taken back. And she was probably seven, six years older than me too. So it was also like, this is so weird. Like I had just graduated college. Um, so it is such a short time, but it does create. Yeah. That's it, you're, it, you're so yesterday I had a high school group. Uh, we do, we're doing like preseason workouts and everything that I do is co-ed, mm-hmm. right? I don't separate the boys and the girls. And there's a reason for that. Um, because I think girls like right now, I think they can like, if, if ever a time, uh, in history, uh, females are coming like yeah. they, they are coming, they are coming like stronger than ever. And, and they've got a follow, they've got a huge following with them. And I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, especially having a daughter that's really like, she's like, I, I'm going to run through you. Like, she's I'm dynamic, gonna, yeah. like, it's so awesome to see because I, I feel like it's, it's, it's time for women, right? It's, you know, no longer the time of, you know, trying to find women sneakers in a, in a sneaker store or, or wearing, you know, like it's coming. And, 
and like equal pay and whatever it may be. Right. I, I feel that. And, and my point is, is that yesterday I gave like a, a brief overview of what you just said. I said, high school is like maybe uh, two to 3% of your life right now. Right. And I told him that I'm like, you're not even going to be able to name one person from your class in four years. Right. You're going to have to go on Facebook to see what that person's name was again. The person that you care so much about their opinion of you right now. Right. Right. So, and, and I, I just, and I told them, I said, I feel like I got to tell you guys this because like the minute you stop caring what people think life becomes so much sweeter. Like you can, you can still do all the great things and be kind to people, but don't put so much like emphasis on how people view you. Right. Because if you're trying to please people, I'm sorry to say, but <laughs> you're not going to please everyone. Right. Right. And, and not everyone's going to like you. And it's, 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 it's actually their problem. It, it, I think it's Brene Brown. She has a quote and I'm going to mess it up, but it's basically like <laughs> it, what other people's opinion is none of your business. What other people think, business. yeah, what other people it, think it, of you is none of your business, I think is what it I, is. And that's, and I actually use that quote as well. I said, it's none of our business, what people think. And quite frankly, I don't care. Right. Like do, just, I mean, if, if you do things based upon what people think of you, you're going to have a very boring and very <laughs> pressure filled life. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that in a sense. Yeah. Where, so. No, I totally agree. So, okay. So I want to bring it back. You went back into the military and then you had how many more years? Cause then I want to get to the, to the gym that you opened up and oh, all the geez. things that you're doing now. So I literally spent the next 15 years uh, in the military between the army national guard and then they then transferring over to the air national guard. And I became like a guy who uh, became a subject matter expert for the military in terms of recruiting, like for the army guard, I had helped create so many different recruiting systems when they changed their whole logo, went down to DC and helped, you know, do certain things with marketing and I had no clue that that marketing campaign would have been probably one of the best marketing campaigns that the Army National Guard had ever had. But it wasn't like me, 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 I, I, I. It was like a bunch of us uh, that formed this synergy team. And it was just it was literally entrepreneurs sitting at the table right. now that I think about it. Right. Because <laughs> like I go back to that same synergy team and probably 20 of us are leading and created our own companies. I love it. And like killing it. <laughs> and it's like, well, the military didn't, it, the military is not always friendly about like stepping outside of the box. Right. Right. Uh, I think they're, I think they're learning now that there's other ways to solve a problem. Right. Um, that doesn't consist of, well, we've never done it that way. And that's just another form of like being a, a leader an innovative leader that you can kind of say, okay, now I've got to get my, I got to convince my boss to, to basically think that it's his idea or her idea right. <laughs> in order to get this, get this to go through. Right. So it, it was a lot of manipulating and maneuvering in the marketing world. Right. And then marketing something that is intangible, right. Cause the military is intangible. I can't, 
I can't say, oh, well, here, hold on to this career or here, hold on to this. Um, it's all based upon the individual and everyone's experience is different. It's like high school, like you were saying, right? So someone's experience in high school might've been great, but the next person might've been terrible. Like they, you know, so it was like, okay, now we've got to deal with everyone's experience. And I think what we tried to do and emphasize in the marketing deal was let's not even worry about that. Let's, let's just talk about the careers and how cool they basically look and what you can do after the military, right? Don't talk about the military. Talk about what it can do for you afterwards. Cause that's what everybody was into at the time, right? right? High school kids, they were like, Oh, so if I get trained as a plumber or HVAC or whatever, after I have my license, I can go make 40, $50 an hour being a plumber or an HVAC. Yeah, you absolutely can. <laughs> right. You, you can make more than some college kids getting out of college. So I think for us, that was more of the, I don't want to see a marketing scheme, but it was the marketing analysis. And while I was there, like in the military, I felt like I was still being held back in a sense, right? Like you're, you're in a corporation or a company and you're like, man, I could totally run this totally differently and, and be good at it. And I think that's where it stemmed where I was like, all right, well, I'm helping these kids and I'm bringing you back tenfold where it was like five years prior to me retiring. I, my son got really into sports and I was the parent who basically coached everything. Right. Like I, if I didn't know how to play it, I was YouTubing, doing whatever practice plans, but I took it serious. And then it became like every parent who like, had a kid in the, in the sport was like, Hey coach, what, what uh sport you coaching next season? <laughs> and it was like, uh, I don't know. Well, whatever it is, I'm requesting you on the form for the recreational form, right? You can request a coach and it, and it grew into this like enormous thing where we had like a basketball thing and I had created something in the town that we lived in and we got our butts kicked. When I say we got our butts kicked, I mean, the scores that we were getting beat by was so terrible. Like it was, you know, 60 something to two and we were clapping just because we scored one. Right. You know, <laughs> and the parents were like, you're so positive with these kids and you're getting your butts kicked. And it was just like, yeah, but this is a lesson that they'll never forget. I guarantee you that. And it was it was funny because I was like. Oh, like there's so many kids that need this mentorship and guidance. Like they didn't know how to control their anger when things didn't go their way. And it was just like, okay, I think I can kind of build something out of it. But uh, after getting our butts kicked, what, what had happened was we just basically created like this group of following of kids. And we in turn went like all summer just practicing and getting better. And I can tell you this, when they came back for the fifth and sixth grade league, same league, same kids year after thinking that, oh, yeah, we we beat you guys. Uh, we we lost one game because uh, my car broke down in mass <laughs> coming back from Massachusetts after uh, uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, we lost by one point. Oh. But other than that, we hadn't lost one game. And and it was funny because everyone knew all of these kids and they saw how good 
they became in just three months. And now was this your son's age group? So these were like the yes. yeah. So that- well, no, he was he was actually in fourth grade. Okay, but this was this so, was basketball though. This is yes. yeah. So this was basketball. So it was like you're you were taking it, which I love. I love that you saw that you know I wanted to do something. I wanted to spend time with my son and be there. And then you you create like saw okay. Well, there's a need for this, and that's what I think. There's so much uh, with entrepreneurs that I think is really cool that that happens that sometimes we don't realize is that we're filling a need that we don't realize until we've done it because it's something that like it's it's our path right we've we've learned all the things that we've learned throughout history throughout our jobs throughout our careers throughout our life and then it's all of a sudden it comes together like this enormous explosion and it's so exciting to watch it evolve and i feel like that's like what happened to you and oh. yeah, and the gym and everything and so so the parents see that you're okay, you know, doing this. Now, was this when were you still in the military at this point as I was still in the military. I was still doing my regular day-to-day job, but at the same time, we had just created this LLC. Um and actually, it goes back to my mom. She's like, "Oh, I I need to get you a Christmas gift." And I was like, "Well, to tell you the truth, mom, I I want to create an LLC." Uh, for whatever. And she's like, well, how much does it cost? And I was like, oh, I'm going to go to, I forgot what the name of the website was, but it was formed by um, Lee. I think it was legal zoom formed by like Johnny Cochran or something okay. where they do everything for you. Right? right. Like they, they, they give you the pamphlet, they give you the stamp. And I, I was like, I just want to create something. And at that moment in 2013, I didn't know that it was going to turn into what it is today. Right. But I knew that, okay, let's, let's put some, let's put some thought to this. Let's see what can happen. And while I was in the military, even up until, you know, like seven, like, so 2013 is when we officially, but we didn't do anything with it for two years. All I did was buy like basketballs. And my wife was like, the garage is getting full (laughs) of all this crap. Like I need my parking space back. Right. Like it was, it was, I just, I like, I bought a shooting machine for thousands of dollars and she's like, how are you, what, what are we going to, like, it was, it was <laughs> complete madness on the things that I did. But I felt like at the time I was like, we're using these things for the kids, but when I'm able to find a gym and utilize it, I, it we're going to, we're going to, yeah, we're, we're going to be ready. Right. Like mm-hmm. I was buying all the stuff the NBA players were using in their videos. Right. <laughs> when I bought a Vertimax and <laughs> all these kids are like, what's Vertimax? Like, oh, it'll help you increase your jumping ability and whatever. And I was like, if I, if, if a professional athlete was using it, I bought it. Right. And I was just like, yep, we're going to, they're going to have the best of the best, whether it's, and that's really, um, what I basically pride myself in to like, I didn't want to get mediocre, you know, mediocrity. I didn't want that for them. Right. right? We're in the middle of Vermont. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like it doesn't matter where you're from. Like, I don't care. The hoop is still 10 feet. The basketball is still the same size, right? Like no one cares where you're from. Right. And, and that's the thing when you're athletic, I feel like, because it is, you know, we both have the athletic um, background um, and it is, and I know you. You know yours. Your mom didn't, didn't push you for it, but you, you obviously had the athletic background. Yeah, I still played. Still played dual sports in college. Though. Right, like, it was still right. You know, so you still played, and and you had the love for the game, and it was what you were good at. And I do think when you are 
athletic, there's a lot of sports that you can pick up if if you have the opportunity to. And there's certain areas that don't have the opportunity. You know, I think we talked about my husband grew up, the, grew up in the Bronx and he played baseball and he played soccer. He was a short German Irish kid. He did not play basketball. <laughs> he could play, but it just, you know, he was, you know, outplayed most of the time. But those are the two sports that he played. Cause that was where, you know, what he did. Now, where I grew up, we had every sport. I mean, every sport I played. I mean, I played four sports. I think there was a time where I was actually like swimming. We thought that's what I was going to take off in. And then there was a certain time where it was like, no, I'm going to play field hockey and lacrosse. And that's really ultimately what I did. But I ran track. I did literally, you know, volleyball. I did everything. Um, and that's what I wanted for my kids as well. I wanted them to be able to have the ability because I saw that they had the athletic ability. And really, it was whatever we were going to put the time into, but whatever they also fell in love with. So my kids have played so many different things. My middle son that is the basketball player, he's probably equally gifted in soccer, but he doesn't have the love for it the same way he has for basketball. Well, it's so funny you you mentioned that because I, uh, I just did my own little podcast on the way to the gym and it was talking about youth sports mm-hmm. and literally I played every single sport that you can think of, yes. especially when you go to a boarding school, we didn't have that many people right. at the boarding school. So we would go from playing a baseball game, running down to go play lacrosse, the coach just throwing us a stick and go like, Hey, like, go hit something. Right. And I had never played lacrosse before. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, what do you want me to do? Like, and he's like, ah, oh, you'll figure it out. <laughs> right. and, and he was right. Mm-hmm. Like you'll figure it out. And it was, it was funny. It's funny that you say that. Like I was, I, I was a junior Olympic fencer. I love that. Oh my God. Think about it. Like <laughs> my mom forced, I couldn't go to basketball until I went to fencing at the YMCA and I got coached by this, this German Olympic coach that literally would hit my arm. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he that's a, knew that's he a was whole just like, podcast. You're, yeah, you're going to be a good fencer. And, and I was like, I'm only doing this because my mom is making me. And plus it looks good on college. Right. Well, like, and that, that was at that moment, it was like, you did everything. Like it, even if you didn't know how to do it, you still went outside and threw the football around. Right. Right. Or, or you were in the middle of the street playing stickball. Yep. It, like it didn't matter what the sport was. It was if it was tag. Like it was competitive, and that's what that's, I think. That's the one thing I miss about our generation, where kids are specializing in things way too soon. And yes, of course, I own a gym with predominantly basketball, so I, I can speak to it. Where I see so many more injuries. As, as far as that's concerned, but I digress, but no, that but, was... it, but it's, <laughs> but it is true because that's one thing I would say, parents would say to me all the time, how are you doing this all with all three kids? And I said, I want them when they get to be a certain age to decide, okay, this is the sport that I really love. And that was probably, you know, my oldest who is a soccer player. Um, he really probably kind of made that decision his freshman year. Like, I'm going to give everything else up. I'm going to play, you know, school soccer, but also play on my academy team. And, uh, you know, actually, he still did track in school. So he was able to do a couple different things, but he was really focused on soccer. And that's what we did. My middle guy, I mean, he did 
to like, you know, he was an AAU and also on an academy soccer team. Now I have to tell you, the soccer coach made it really hard for us. The basketball coach understood and was like, I actually like that he plays soccer. It's giving him a leg up in certain things. The soccer coach it was one of the reasons. Oh no, you must. Yeah. One of the reasons <laughs> you must do this. You shall do this. Like, yeah, I tell all the kids in my program and parents know this about me. Uh, I'm a big believer in multi-sport mm-hmm. athletes. Uh, and, and not only that, it, the injuries is really cause now you give your body a, a break, right? Right. Like you're, you're not using, cause once these kids get to a certain age, like they get to college or they even get to play professionally how many miles is on your body doing that same movement? And then you're like, Oh, how did I get there? Like, how did I get hurt? Well, here's where you got hurt. So kids who are playing AAU and playing basketball all year round, right. When they rupture their Achilles or when they tear their ACLs or when they do certain things, you're like, okay, well, I could have seen that coming. Like you, you, your, your body is only, Right. It, it only got can do so certain. many miles. It can only do it so long before it breaks down. So yeah, no, it's one of the things. And like I say to people, yeah, of course it's in my best interest to tell you to come and play basketball because right. I own a gym that does basketball, <laughs> but really it's also my civic duty to tell kids like, Hey, go do something else. Right. Like get, I mean, and it's also headspace, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you, you now, like it's a different headspace. If I was playing lacrosse, like I wasn't trying to go, and play like professional lacrosse. So for me, it was like, Whoa, I get to hit people with a stick. Oh, (laughs) let's go. (laughs) Like it was, it's an outlet. And that's, and that is, it's so true. You can have the sport that you, you know, if you have the dreams and aspirations to go to college or go to the next level, you can do that. But if you have the other things where it's just fun, and that's why I always encourage my kids to do like all four of the school sports, you know, even if you might not be the best, because that is, you know, sometimes they're like, Oh, I don't, I like to start and I like, you know, but as they've grown older, they see, okay, well, I can still be good at this, still have the less headspace, you know, I mean, sp- get the headspace where it's like just getting stuff out. But then when I really need to focus, I can do that. So I, I, I love that. And I love that that's philosophy that you have as well. When did you start? So when did you find the space for the gym? So I didn't really find a space for the gym until COVID. So I had been using uh, our kids school. Uh, they went to Christ the King a Catholic school and at the Catholic school level, they really didn't have like sports there uh, when, I mean, they had it, but it was, it, it wasn't like what I was expecting, you know, for a middle and elementary school to have. So I literally created our entire program based upon what the school's needs were. Right. And they were like, well, yeah, you can pay us to use the gym and, do all these things. But I started inviting like NBA players that played. Um, I started inviting NBA coaches to come to Vermont. And then all of a sudden they were like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like this is great for <laughs> advertising. Like we, so they gained, so it was like, a, it was like we were both helping one another right. in a sense where I was trying to just get kids excited about playing the game. And in turn, it helped them 
get more kids into the school because they had this program right. that was being run in the school uh, to the point where now my logo is still on the floor of the school. Like, I mean, the kids, they come to our new gym now that's, you know, 10 minutes away from the school. But anytime the school says, hey, I need something from you, I stop what I'm doing. And I'm like, hey, where do you need me? But during COVID, everything shut down. Right. Um, and basketball, coaching, mentoring, it's a part of me. Like, I can't, I can't not help people. Like I am a type of person that I get more out of helping people than if you paid me to do something that I wasn't really interested in doing. Right. And you could pay me tons of money to do this thing over here. But if I'm not helping anyone, it really like, it's not satisfying. Right. And, and I think for me, I, I realized that as I was leaving the military, like my job or the job, whatever I do has to be at a point where can I help someone? Can I help people? Right. Can I help the next legacy, like building that legacy and next group of, of not only athletes, but just monsters, right? Like, and I don't mean monster in a bad no, way. Like, great. I'm yeah. talking monster. Like you're not going to like, if I want to get something done, like you're going to do it. Like you are, your word is your bond. And, and I told kids like, while I was at this Catholic school, I said, in about a year or two, I'm going to have my own gym. And I purposely made like a, I guess it's an affirmation to like, want to do this. Um, but COVID pushed my hand a little bit earlier. And the minute COVID happened, I was, I was stuck. And not only did I feel stuck, but all the kids that were in our program at that time, we probably had like 1200 kids. Right. And all of a sudden we go from having, you know, kids in the gym doing junior MBA and doing our tournaments and training to like nothing. Oh, I know it was tough to the point where parents are like, Oh, I got to get these kids out of the <laughs> house. Like we, we got to do something. And we, fe I felt the same way. I was like, I'm not doing anything. Like I, I'm not coaching anyone. I'm sitting on the couch watching Netflix all the time. Like I, I gotta, I, we gotta do something. And I started looking and searching for warehouse space. And at that time it was a great time to look for warehouse space because COVID had stopped everything. Right. So the cost for warehouse space was, was way lower than what it normally would be, uh, previously, right. right? Like when everything is booming and now it's back to normal, <laughs> but <laughs> I jumped in to get this space Smart. and, and then I had these shooting machines that no contact. Oh, right? right. Like, so you come in, you take your temperature, you go to your shooting machine, we wipe the balls down and then you get to work and I don't have to contact, like, I don't have to touch you. Right. We're wearing our masks, doing everything that we were. So we were the only gym that was open in the state of Vermont at that time. Wow. To the point where like people were like, dude, how are you still open? So, but I was still working for the military. Right. And I was, I was working with the emergency management team. So we were dealing with this COVID crisis over here and I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> the minute I get out of work, I'm like rushing. Cause I, I, rented the gym five minutes from the base smart, <laughs> so, right. so that I didn't have to like go very far. Um, and yeah, like I was like, all right guys, we, I, I gotta go. Like, like I gotta, I gotta go open the doors. And if I couldn't open the doors, then my wife would, um, and so forth. And, 
And during COVID, I would say COVID, so many parents like emailed us and texted us and said, thank you so much. Like, we don't know what like right. we would have done without you because like, to tell you the truth, there were kids that were, you know, they come into the gym and regardless of everything else that's going on in their life, you know, they were just like, coach, all I wanted to do was shoot some hoops today. I, I, I was looking forward to this all day because well, oh, I was on a zoom class all day right. and, and on my computer and they would walk in the gym and they'd be like, thank you. Like, I'm like, well, like, I'll be back tomorrow. Coach, make sure, right. make sure I get a slot. And I was literally in the gym until nine, 10 o'clock at night, just because of so many kids who wanted to get into the gym. Well, and I'm just thinking, I like actually got choked up because I mean, my kids, they were okay. I mean, we, you know, it, it was, it, it, they missed their sport, but they were okay. They could play my boys, especially out on the drive, you know, like they could do things together. Um, but I know so many kids that like mental health just really, you know, wreaked havoc on their family. And the fact that you were able to give them a space, a safe space that their parents were like, this is good. Like, I mean, I'm sure you know, but I like the deep help. Like, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm like a little lost for words, which just never happens. Um, I mean, I just, I can't imagine that your community and how thankful everyone was because you probably skirted, and I don't like that word either, but really helped some kids that could have went down dark holes, not even get close to it because they had this. And, and so the fact that your community and that you were, you know, a, a part of that is so amazing. It's so amazing to me. I mean, I love that so much. But really, but really it was, they were helping me more than I was helping right. them. Like, believe it or not. Right. And that, and I tell people all the time, like it stems from like the reason why I picked youth sports was because, like I said, when I came back from overseas, there, there were dark times. Right. And having my own child, I got to re refocus, right? Like my son being interested in the sport that I love. Like, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, <laughs> like I found a whole new meaning of not only being a father, but now I'm like, Oh man, like I can teach him everything that I know. Right. And I mean, needless to say, he's 10 times better than his dad. <laughs> Like, but, uh, and, well, but he also and, has, he has you behind him, but he also has the, you know, the, the means and, and to do it in, yeah. in, at the level that you can provide, which is just beautiful. I mean, it's so beautiful. Uh, I mean, the whole thing. And you're right. When you said that, I was like, oh my God, that's, it helped you not be in such dark times too, which is oh, huge, was, which it, is amazing. People think that I, like, I love the kids but they have helped me beyond words. And I can't even, I can't tell people, and this is the biggest part about why go after something that you're super passionate mm -hmm. about, right? Because your passion in turn can take you out of any dark place that you're in. Right. Right. Like doesn't matter. It, you could have $2 to your name and <laughs> getting ready to be evicted, you name it. And you name something that you are super passionate about, you're going to find the time. You're going to find the funds. You're going to find some way to make it work. And that's, I think that's what really like people ask me all the time. Who's your competition? And I go me, right? I don't have any competition because I'm not trying to compete with someone. Right. My job 
and, and what my goals are is not to compete to be the best. My job and goal is to compete to send a kid off to college ready, right? Yeah. To no, I go love explore, that. do their dreams, and then come back and then pay it forward to another kid, mm-hmm. right? Because when I'm old and in, I always tell them, when I'm old and in a wheelchair, <laughs> I'm expecting you guys to run this space, this space for me. Like that's that's the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, like regardless of what we do, our job is to serve others. Like we're we're here to serve here to serve others. And if you're not here to serve others and serve yourself, that'll work for a limited amount of time. But ultimately, um, I know my job and my life serving others gets me so much happiness. Which which is just amazing. And you could hear it. I mean, you could hear, and I, I love this story so much on so many different levels, because what you created was... I mean, it really, and this is what we talk about all the time on this podcast. It was really meant, I mean, it was your path. All of your life really led you to this moment. And the fact, as I said, like the explosion that happened all together is just so cool to hear about. So I know we went way over time, but that's okay. Cause I knew, oh, sorry about no, that. <laughs> God, no, it, I, I, you know what? I knew that this was going to be longer than the typical episode because I knew that I wanted to go through, I wanted to go through the beginning part. Cause I know how much the beginning part really ties everything so much together. So, um, no, I could talk to you for another like hour and a half. Um, but then I, you know, I think that we could do an, another, and I think we talked about doing another live show, uh, which would be really fun where you can just kind of also mentor people on how, okay, how do you start this? You know, how do you do things? I think they oh, absolutely. would be really fun, but I would love for you to talk about, um, really quickly, like, what do you have up and coming? Like, can people out of state come to, um, rise to the, you know, to the top VT? Is it Vermont? Is it just people in Vermont or do you have camps in the summer? Do you have camps in the winter? Take us through that because I know that there's people yeah, that are interested so in that. There are, there are tons of things that we, we have upcoming. So this summer we are partnering with, uh, UVM to try to get their, uh, overnight stay so that they can stay on campus of University of Vermont and then in turn come to our gym to do, you know, so an overnight camp that specializes and it's just going to be small, right? Like it's not going to be a camp with like a hundred kids running around. It's more so going to be more uniquely geared towards training and, and getting you prepared for that next level. And, and ultimately after that, we, of course, we have tons of camps, clinics, and things going on. Um, unfortunately, in the summer, our schedule is kind of crazy just because our son plays for uh, uh, an Adidas travel team right. um, as well. So, and then our daughter is, <laughs> is, uh, she is doing everything uh, under the sun. She did field hockey this year. I know that, that's one of the things we it, connected on because I played in college. And so I was really excited when we were talking about that. She was like, wait, you know the, the positions? And I was like, oh, I do. <laughs> oh, she came. She, I went to her first game um, and she scored two goals. I show up and she scores two goals. And I'm just like, what? Like she's never played before. Right. I'm like, hmm. like, like <laughs> it, it's just it's a scary thing when you see a lot of your kids in yourself mm-hmm. uh, where they can just, they're just, they're just blessed with the, their athletic ability. But 
I mean, yeah, we have a bunch of things that are that are coming up, but more so we're going to do more of that overnight stuff so that people can come up to Vermont, experience, uh, you know, the the green mountains of Vermont, uh, get away from city life if they want mm-hmm. to and send their kids up here. And then their kids can stay on campus and eat and do everything else. And then we bring them over to our gym to basically get to work. Oh, that's awesome. Where it's like a, a, a one week, two week, depending on how long they want it to, to come up. Now, and so they can find that at rise to the top vt.com, correct? That's correct. Okay. So, and we'll have this all again. Or they can just create a, create, um, like if you create a login and username on our site, uh, we send out newsletters. Oh, great. Uh, for, with all of the information and the links, uh, to get to our, um, and then I'm also in New York city a lot now because of, uh, uh, you know, 11 yep. hoops, um, that I'm an investor with. So we're going to be running a lot of camps and clinics, uh, bringing things back to where I grew up and in the inner city, we just had an event at the gauchos, uh, the that. preview. And, um, so for me, it's just awesome that now I get to give back to the community that I came from in a sense. So it just ties me right back to, uh, where it all started. Which is so special. I mean, it's so special. Now, is your mom still around? Yeah, she's in New York city, uh, in Soho. Um, not, not, not the Bronx anymore. She's, uh, like I said, she's, she, she has done really well for herself. Um, uh, and now <laughs> like has no needs or wants uh, they're, they're living, they're living their, uh, she's living her best life. Um, and then she, uh, and she's we, got to see these grandkids and what you created, oh, which is man. so, which is so special. She doesn't care more. She, I mean, she cares about me, but her grandbabies are, <laughs> are where it's at. That's who she really focuses her time. And yeah, no, it's, uh, and, and the other one thing I want to tell people about your passion, like, the biggest thing, and I can say is my wife is like, she has been the person who I can bounce things off of. And she's just like, do it. Yeah. Go do it. Like, and it was, you don't always find that, mm-hmm. right? Like, you don't always find like, oh, well, you know, like you can't see it now. The shooting machine that I spent thousands of dollars on and used our savings money to, to basically buy, you you, so, I mean, when she quit her job to basically start working for the company, she is, I try to explain to parents that she's the one who keeps me like guided. Right. Like if it wasn't for her, I would be a hot mess. Well, you know, but, so <laughs> well, that's what we all need that person. We, we have the people that ha- come up with the big, big, you know, the big ideas. I feel like you and I are very similar in those big ideas. And I know my husband is always so supportive of me, but he also will rein me back in. Like, just let's, let's focus on this. Let's get this done. Let's, you know, and I'm like, okay, you're like, I have all these other things that I want to get done. (laughs) And I want to do like, you know, be like you, like with a podcast and do all these other things. And she's like, okay, but let's, let's slow down. Let's try to, you know, cause like you said, when you're passionate about something and you, I mean, I can attest to it, but we get our sights focused on something and yeah. it, it's very difficult to get us to, to move to another thing. It's like, no, 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 no. 
I, I want this. Right. I want to do it this way. So no, I love that. I love that. And I, as I said, I love this conversation and we will have Jason back for the live show on fireside, which when we, I want to talk to you about, cause I know that you had the idea uh, for the podcast and I kind of have a, an idea for you. So you guys, you know what to do, like rate review. And you might've listened to this episode and said, Oh, this is so cool, but you don't know who needs to hear this. You don't know who has had a similar path or is in a time in their life where they need some inspiration. They need something to be excited about. And this episode, I mean, there was so many, so many connections and it's all about the story. It's Jason's story that connected you more to his story, but also to something in your life. So please rate, review, and share this episode with as many people as you know, and we will see you again with your next stop. Thank you again, Jason, so much. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 